You're listening to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL, Curious Cast, and where you get your podcasts. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, host of Food for the Future, a weekly podcast that brings the humanities to today's food dialogue by showcasing everyday people trying to make a difference. This show is part of the Waste Not series, featuring stories from innovators who spend their lives revitalizing our agri-food system so that our entire human family can find the way forward together. We'll be discussing financial literacy, as November is Financial Literacy Month, and food with Sasha McNichol from Prosper Canada. Welcome, Sasha. Thanks for having me. Lovely to have you here. Sasha, let's start with what Prosper Canada is. What does it do? What's its mission? Uh, So Prosper Canada is a national charity, and we're dedicated to expanding economic opportunities for people living in poverty or at risk of poverty. And we do that in a couple of ways. So we do it through program innovation. So by working with community partners on the ground who are helping people navigate their financial problems, getting them tax filed. Uh, And with online tools uh, that can, for example, help them figure out which provincial and federal benefits they might be eligible for and through partnerships with existing social services. We also work on policy change to tackle the systemic issues that are creating barriers for people with low incomes uh, to improve their financial health. So really, really big mandate, right, from helping people who need it or are almost going to be in a different situation. So offering education and support, navigating what can be really complex in terms of how to access resources, policy, and then those broader systemic things, really taking the national view of what needs to change. Amazing, amazing work being done at Prosper Canada. So November is Financial Literacy Month in Canada. When did this month start and why? So Financial Literacy Month was actually originally launched by a group of nonprofit financial literacy organizations, uh, including Prosper Canada. And the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada, which is a a federal government agency that, uh, among other things, is responsible for promoting financial literacy, really loved the idea and took it over in 2011, which we thought was amazing. Uh, And the goal is to kind of bring together private, public, and nonprofit partners to host events and share resources that are aimed at, at Canadians to improve their financial health. And that can be through helping them think about how to better save their money, uh, how to deal with debt, uh, and a lot of other kind of financial uh, issues. So a lot of good advice and a lot of uh, advocacy and awareness comes through um, November Financial Literacy Month. And we kind of throw that term around financial literacy, but what really is it? We know what finances are and, and some of us know literacy means that you can read or write depending on what it is that we're talking about. What's financial literacy? Financial literacy is really about uh, you know, knowing how to to manage uh, one's finances and and having those kinds of financial skills, right? Um, and it's it's really important because it's not uh, it's not always taught so much in school, and so people don't necessarily get this kind of uh, understanding of of how to, for example, you know, create a household budget um, and and stick to it. 
how to uh, deal with debt. You know, there's a lot of different options out there for people who are in debt, and it's not always obvious for them, um, you know, which option is the best for them. So there's a lot of kind of different confusing uh, <laughs> advice out there. So it's really important to have uh, something like Financial Literacy Month that can kind of help people make sense of which is the best advice for them and, uh, you know, what are the kinds of things that they should be focusing on to increase their financial health. Okay, so right across the spectrum of income and paying our bills and budgeting and understanding income tax and Right, retirement and all the things we want for the future and how to make it all work so that it's not as stressful. Cause I find that it's, it's a very, it can be a very stressful topic. And of course, this show is called food for the future. So we want to talk about financial literacy, but also how that relates to food. So you have been working at Prosper Canada for a while. You get to see a lot of things and, and hear from colleagues across the nation. How is financial literacy related to food? Financial literacy can help people make smart financial choices that improve their financial health and their financial resilience. Uh, and then, of course, financial health is related to people's ability to afford to provide sufficient healthy food for themselves and their families. It's very important to uh, understand how to make those smart financial choices um, so that uh, so that, you know, you can afford uh, to put good food on the table for your family. But of course, financial literacy isn't the only issue at play here. You know, for people living on very low incomes, especially in a time of such high inflation and and skyrocketing food and housing prices, financial literacy alone won't prevent food insecurity. If you're living on a really low income, you can you can know how to budget as much as you want, but if there's just not enough money to cover the basic needs, then you're likely to be living uh, in a in a situation of food insecurity. Uh, and and this is where we need governments to kind of step in with with policy solutions. Mm-hmm. And good that Prosper Canada is advocating for those sorts of things. So have you particularly collaborated in any food projects, Sasha? So we've worked with food organizations. And um, one of the ways we've done that is to work with some community food organizations to pilot our benefits Wayfinder tool. Uh, so the Benefits Wayfinder is an online tool that helps uh, people determine which provincial and federal uh, benefits that they might be eligible for. Um, and, you know, since there's hundreds of different benefits offered by different provincial and federal departments, this can be extremely confusing for people to navigate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our goal is to work with community organizations who can help walk people through the tool and then after a short questionnaire, help them apply for any benefits that they aren't currently receiving in order to increase their incomes. And then, of course, many of these organizations are running tax clinics because tax filing is a gateway to many of these income benefits. So you know, if you can help people maximize the amount of income that they can get out of benefits like this, you can also help uh, to increase their food security. Right. And and every little bit does help. Um, $20 a week doesn't seem like very much, but it is if that's your food budget for the last day before the end of the week, that is a lot of money. So uh, the wayfinding tool, which helps navigate income tax filing and access to other benefits through that. So very, very helpful. And it sounds like you were saying it's a collaborative initiative that uh, Prosper Canada has an educational function, an advocacy function, you have support and resources, but working with many other people across the nation is really very, you're right, the goal 
goal is greater food security. So even with financial and food literacy, Sasha, what are some of the barriers to eliminating food insecurity? Let's start by defining food insecurity for people uh, who don't know, um, because it's a bit of a technical term. So it means that people can't afford to feed themselves um, and their families healthy food or that they worry that they won't be able to make it to the end of uh, the month. Mm-hmm. And this is a it's a huge and a growing problem in Canada. In 2022, it affected 6.9 million people. Um, and so this is this is, you know, a, a, a really huge problem. Food and financial literacy, I, I don't think are are huge indicators of food insecurity. So Food literacy rates, we know from research, don't differ much between people who are food insecure or people um, who are food insecure. Uh, And most adults who live in food insecure households report that they have a food budget that they stick to compared to less than half in food secure households. So we know that people who are food insecure are a lot more careful with their money when it comes to, to buying food. Food insecurity is a poverty issue. So food insecurity rates are much higher among low-income households uh, than among households with higher incomes. They're especially high among people living on social assistance because social assistance rates in almost every province fall not only below the poverty line, but below the deep poverty line, which means that people don't have the uh, amount of money, anywhere near the amount of money that they need to cover their basic costs and put food on the table. So the way to decrease food insecurity is by decreasing poverty. After the introduction of the Canada Child Benefit, which provides incomes for families with children, severe food insecurity in families with children dropped by a third. Government should really be thinking about how to increase incomes through benefits like the Canada Child Benefit uh, and by increasing minimum wages and and social assistance rates. And they they should also be thinking about how to improve access to affordable housing because research shows that people will prioritize housing costs over food if they don't have enough money to cover all basic expenses. And then finally, they should be thinking about how to support access to tax filing and benefits. So we know that one in five people with low incomes doesn't file their taxes, which means that they're not accessing important income benefits. And there's a ton of barriers to tax filing and benefits. So government should be thinking about how to lower those benefits and how to better support community organizations who are helping people get their taxes done and and get access to benefits. So I think that's another important thing that as we think about November being Financial Literacy Month, that it's not just what's happening for you. It's much more broad social conversation that we can raise awareness on like we are today. You're talking about a lot of um, access to programs and funding that I hadn't heard about. And you've cited some very important research about reducing by a third uh, food insecurity when we had the child benefit come out. So lots of things to be thinking about more holistically as a nation, as members of the human family and as a society. It is helpful also to have food skills, but not to diminish that if you're food insecure, it's because you don't have food skills. So it's really always looking at the context. Where is the opportunity to increase the opportunity to not be food insecure? So sometimes it's a bit of food skills. Sometimes it's budgeting. Sometimes it's a few other things. But your important point is it isn't always that. Sometimes the money is just so low. So really, really important tips for us, but also uh, kind of calls to action, thinking about what's important to us as we work in our societies with our governments. So your work seems really difficult, Sasha, yet it must be so rewarding. What's one of the most gratifying experiences that you've had by helping others with financial literacy? Because I'm on our policy team, I don't do work directly with people helping them with financial literacy and financial health. 
Uh, but I do get to work on some of the upstream issues that are leading to poor financial health outcomes, which is really rewarding. We spend a lot of time thinking about the kinds of roadblocks that are in the way of people who are trying to improve their financial health and how we can remove those. You know, we we think about how to increase access to tax filing. We think about, you know, the fact that people with lower incomes don't have access to financial help services the way that people with higher incomes do. Uh, and then we think about upcoming opportunities to increase financial health for people. So how can we make sure that that those opportunities reach people and that, you know, benefits like that are as barrier free as possible and are, you know, supporting people to increase their financial health and, and their, their food security? Yeah, must be really, really rewarding when you see policy change out of things, reports that you've written, submissions, um, advocacy work, talking with MPs and MPPs. It must be very, very rewarding. Thank you, Sasha, for sharing your expertise. After the break, we'll talk more with Sasha McNichol from Prosper Canada about the social significance of financial literacy and food. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL, Curious Cast, and where you get your podcasts. Welcome back. I'm Peggy O'Neill, host of Food for the Future. We're speaking with Sasha McNichol from Prosper Canada about financial literacy and food. Sasha, we're seeing more and more pressures for government to address food security and food insecurity, as well as food prices. What do you hope to see in the future in this area? So what I'm really hoping to see is is more action on poverty and um and on things like affordable housing. These are these are the kinds of issues that I think will really move the dial for people who are food insecure. I mentioned earlier people are food insecure because they don't have the money to be able to put good food on the table for themselves and their families. And the number of people who are struggling is is increasing. Inflation rates and food prices are not fully under the control of governments. Um but what they can do is institute policies that that better support people and that increase incomes for people on low income, like like the Canada Disability Benefit, which we hope to see come into force in the current mandate of the of the federal government. So this will provide much needed income supports for people with disabilities who have much higher rates of of poverty and uh, food insecurity. So, you know, for example, 50% of people above the age of 16 living in food insecure households have a disability. Uh, so this new benefit will be an important new support that, that should help to turn this number in, in the right direction. And, and that's the kind of thing that I'd like to see more action on. Right. And it's helpful to hear those statistics and those numbers because it's it's eye-opening. When I hear that percentage of people who are 16 um, in that situation, I think, well, I didn't know that. I may have known a person or of, of someone, but when we see statistics like that, it, it puts a uh, volume on the urgency for us to address these things. So um, thank you for bringing that up today. We're in this show talking about waste not. What's one of the simplest ways to avoid financial and food waste? Of course, if you're in the category where you are um, have enough money that you actually can manage food and uh, finances, you're not so far below what it is to uh, live a, a basic uh, housing and basic food scenario. So in people in the category that can afford those things, what's what's some of the biggest, easiest ways to avoid waste? Yeah, you know, uh, I think uh, I'm sure listeners to the show uh, who uh, are in that category uh, are aware that every time they go to the grocery store, food prices have increased. Uh, it's something that I think everyone in the country is is noticing. 
Um, and actually, one of the best ways to lower your grocery bill is to uh, try to reduce food waste in your home. More than half of the food that we produce in Canada is wasted. More than 20% of that food waste happens in the home. Uh, so that's a lot of money. It's it's in the uh, tens of billions of dollars in this country every year that we waste uh, of food. Uh, so figuring out how to address this by, you know, by meal planning, for example, using shopping lists um, and better understanding best buy dates can really save people a lot of money. Rather than just going to the grocery store and buying whatever you feel like um, or thinking about what you're going to eat that night rather than thinking about the week, if you meal plan, make sure that you're going to be using all of those ingredients that, you know, if you're putting broccoli in one dinner and you've got some leftover, you're putting it in, into the, you know, lunch or dinner the next day uh, rather than, than you know, using a, a different vegetable and, and wasting that. That's a really uh, important way that people can... Can, uh, reduce food waste and save money. And, and it also has the added benefit of, of uh, being good for the environment. So try to look and see what's in your fridge and how you might be able to make it new. And there's no shortage of amazing recipes and amazing things. If you have, I had some leftover squash um, last week and believe it or not, I put it in a mac and cheese casserole. And I know that might not off the top sound like a very appealing squash and mac and cheese. And it was just so tasty. And it was something I had found uh, on the internet, a recipe, how to use over leftover squash. And, and we may, we'll do it again. It was delightful. So trying to see the creativity in it and new life in things that may otherwise get set aside if you don't want to reheat them and eat them in their uh, in their leftover form. So that's a really good tip. In this show, we try to bring the humanities, which includes ingenuity and creativity to today's food dialogue. How might ingenuity help address financial and food literacy? Financial literacy, uh, of course, is very important, but we're starting to look at other aspects of, of financial health. And you know, one of the big barriers that we've found is that people with low and moderate incomes don't have access to affordable financial help, even though they often have much more complex and urgent financial problems than people with higher incomes. Mm -hmm. You know, so, for example, people with higher incomes um, often use financial planners, but they're just really not affordable for people with with lower incomes um, who often don't have anybody who can kind of help them take a holistic view of their of their financial situation and uh, help solve financial problems and help them kind of prioritize, um, you know, which which actions are the most important. So um, rather than working on this issue alone, we're bringing together government, uh, private and community stakeholders to try to find innovative ways to address this problem. Um, because we think that by working together, you know, we can get buy-in from all sectors to help contribute to the issue uh, and to close the gap in financial help for people with lower incomes. One of the, the best ways to kind of address systemic issues is by working together and finding ways to, to collaborate. Right. We want to find the way forward together. And, and you make a really good point that um, people who need it most can't afford the uh, financial planner. So it's wonderful to know that you and all the people at Prosper Canada are working federally and locally to try to bring some change there. So this show is called Food for the Future. And what are some of the immediate next steps that we could all do together to continue to create a brighter future? We're in a moment where people are extremely concerned about affordability, about their finances, about the cost of food. You know, I'd really encourage that people should engage their elected representatives about the issues that they care about. And I think that can really make a difference. 
People can also find community organizations who are working to support people living in food insecurity or, you know, people who need financial help and see if there are opportunities to become involved uh, or, or to donate. And then, of course, you know, people like you should continue to raise, uh, raise these issues and discuss them and, and to keep them in the public discourse. Thank you. And it is the purpose of November, which is Financial Literacy Month. And it's not just our own um, ability to manage life at home. It is that, but it's also thinking socially across our nation and really across the world. I know somebody who's working on a um, global minimum wage. So uh, trying to think about uh, finances in the context of our, of our broader environment. Lovely, Sasha. Thank you. Uh, do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share? I think just that if people would like to learn more about the work that Prosper Canada does, they can visit prospercanada.org. And if they'd like to see if they're missing out on any benefits they might be eligible for, they should check out our Benefits Wayfinder tool at benefitswayfinder.org. Thank you, Sasha, for your generosity today, sharing all of this information and your time. And you've provided a lot of insights for me that really has given me a lot of encouragement. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me was lovely to have you here. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Sasha McNichol from Prosper Canada about financial literacy and food. Each week to keep revitalizing our communities together, we leave you and your family or friends with something to talk about or something to do. Something to talk about, how could you help with finances and food? Something to do, visit prospercanada.org to see how one team of financial experts are using local action for national and global encouragement. Next week on the show, it's our world. We'll discuss the importance of farmers living heritage with Kristen Catherwood from Heritage Saskatchewan and the United Nations Education, Science and Culture Organization. Don't miss a show. Subscribe on Curious Cast and other major podcast platforms. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, and you've been listening to the weekly show, Food for the Future. Thank you to our Platinum Elite Level sponsor, Burn Bray Farms, Eggs for Life. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday on 980 CFPL, Curious Cast, and where you get your podcasts.